And I really don't believe in competition when it comes to food. I think competition is always with yourself. You're wasting your time spinning your wheels looking at other people's sales. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. In today's episode, we're speaking with Dan Martinson, the man behind the overnight sensation It's Bagels, a New York-inspired bagel and coffee shop in London's Primrose Hill. A high-end fashion photographer by trade, Dan naively opened the doors of It's Bagels in September 23, and within days they had queues of 200 customers or more lining up to get their hands on one of Dan's delicious bagels. So how did he do it? In this conversation, Dan shares the secrets behind the daunting task of generating PR for a new brand. He also discusses his community-centric approach to business and the art of balancing tradition and modernity. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. It's great to be here. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you got started with It's Bagels. I'm from New York, just outside the city. Um, I grew up eating bagels like everybody does in the area. You know, as much as anyone gets pizza or takeout Chinese or whatever else, uh, even more so. Bagels are a staple of life there. So it was always part of my culture. Uh, I mean, yes, Jewish culture, but you get everybody in a bagel shop there. It's just part of part of New York life, part of the tri-state area life even. But yeah, I grew up there just north of the city and... Uh, I got into art and photography, wound up going to school for that, studied at Rhode Island School of Design, wanted to be an art photographer, uh, did that for a few years, um, and I was also a waiter and a busboy and everything else that I had to do to make money. And eventually found myself, I don't know, um, more of a, a waiter and a street hustler than I was an actual artist. I don't know if there's really like a, a blurry line between the two perhaps, but I wasn't really making any money. So I'm... Uh, a friend of mine was just opening a studio, uh, which is now quite well known. It's called Milk Studios and said, you know, why don't you come intern for us? And I did and did that internship for about a summer and suddenly realized there was this whole world of photography where you can make a living and <laughs> not just and not struggle as much as I was. And so I got into assisting. And then from that, I really I did quite enjoy like. All the travel really for me was what what made it um, attractive. So I, I I traveled as an assistant. I mean, to me, it was like I got to get paid to travel and to do photography. And like, what's better than that? It's really like my three favorite things in the world, you know, money, travel, and photography. <laughs> anyway, um, so that was, I mean, that's over 20 years ago now. It's about 20 years ago now. Um, and so I started assisting, worked for various photographers, um, worked for just about everybody in the fashion industry and on the sort of portrait music stuff as well, celebrity photography, things like that, um, and went out on my own and had a good run of it when I was young. The, the timing was right. Um, I've made a, a living for now uh, over 16 years or so. And um, and it's, you know, it's still my great passion. And, you know, eventually, I think it was 2000, yeah, it was 2019 um, in July. Uh, my wife and I had decided to give give it a shot here. We moved from New York. She's English. We had 
a kid in Brooklyn. It was, it's, Brooklyn's like the least kid-friendly place, at least where we were living. Um, no offense to Brooklyn and no offense to all my friends with no, kids no, in Brooklyn. Hot slope, <laughs> seems like all the push chairs. It's a tough place to raise a kid. And, and to be honest with you, you know, even growing up in New York, I never really thought to raise kids in the city. Uh, it just sort of happened. You know, I think it was just tough being in New York. Um, so we moved. We moved yeah. over here and found out we were pregnant with a second, um, well, my wife was anyway, yeah. uh, with, uh, with our second child. And we had him in October of 19. And before we knew it, we were locked down. Just a few months later, I think it was like less than six months later, we were locked down, uh, stuck in London. And um, in many ways, I look back on that time as like the most beautiful gift I could have ever been given. I got to spend every day with my family and, and cook and clean and travel around to all the parks in the city. And, you know, it was, it was this great sort of reset. Um, uh, difficult at times, obviously, scary at times and hard to be away from home. Uh, and so one of the big things for me was, you know, every so often I'd wake up and just be fed up with all of it. I think we all went through that. Uh, and I think it was kind of the combination of um, being homesick and wanting to kind of fix that without, you know, I couldn't go home. So one of the things I missed was, was, was bagels, obviously. That was like one of the things I was just like, you know, I just want to get up, go out and get a bacon, egg and cheese on a bagel or a bagel and cream cheese or whatever. I, want, I just want this one basic familiar thing that I, that I had my whole life really had. Um, and being like a big sort of home cook chef thing, whatever you want to call it. I'm not a chef, but I cook a lot. Um, especially during lockdown, I was, I was essentially a short order cook for two kids and a wife. And I was experimenting with things. I uh, got into eventually bread and bagels. Bread was always a hobby anyway. I would, I would get, you know, I would go for like four or six months, have a starter, feed it, feed it, feed it until the kitchen was so sticky. I kind of gave up on it and realized also you can buy a really great loaf of bread for about five, six pounds. <laughs> Don't have to destroy your kitchen to do it. Um, but bagels was like a fun hobby. And I sucked at it and I kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying. And um, we were just talking about him before I got on, but um, I would go for um, rides uh, with, my, with my friend, bike rides. We would cycle like four or five times a week with a couple of friends, my friend Andy and Chris, and Chris being the owner of, uh, co-owner of Caravan. Um, and I was telling Chris, you know, I can't find a good bagel. He's like, oh, go to Brick Lane, go to here. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So we would, I, I, at that point, I would cycle around all over London without those guys just to check out these bagel shops. And none of them hit the spot. Um, and long story short, I eventually worked with one of, uh, Chris has a, had a baker working for him who helped me figure out the recipe. And um, during lockdown, you know, everybody had these like WhatsApp groups, right? Like for the neighborhood. Hey, I'm going to the shop. Any little old ladies need some carrots and yeah. peas or whatever. Um, and so we were all in touch in our neighborhood. Um, you know, so-and-so sick. Can you please get her meds? Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it was like, it was this great community thing happening, right? So every time I'd go to the market, I'd put it on there and somehow someone said, Hey, does anybody want any bagels this weekend? And I was like, yes, I do. A hundred percent. Bagels, locks, all of it. So they do this great big order. They get this really beautiful locks from, or smoked salmon uh, to, to the locals um, from up North. And they get these bagels from who knows where. 
And I was thinking, finally, got my bagel and it arrives and it's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was months later when, when I thought I really kind of got the recipe pretty, pretty damn close that I thought, you know, I'm going to put this on the WhatsApp group. Right. See if everybody, see if anybody wants one. You know, maybe, you know, a couple of families might say so. So I go to like the bagel WhatsApp, yep. which is literally what it was from our neighborhood. And I put it out there. Say, hey guys, if anybody wants bagels this weekend, let me know. I'm going to order for 250 bagels. Whoa. Well, not one order, but like yep. 30 orders for 250 yep. bagels. I was like, wow. Holy shit. <laughs> what am I going to do? You yeah. know? So luckily Chris allowed us to bake over a caravan at their bakery. And I had never made more than a dozen bagels at a time, uh, but it worked. You know, I would love to now go back in time and taste those exact bagels, but we managed to get them out and people loved them. And they were like, this is great. When's the next delivery? And I said, uh, next weekend, like an idiot. And the same thing happened the following weekend, the weekend after that. And next thing you know, I sort of was making stickers and sticking them on the bags and branding things a little bit. Cause that's really where I'm, from, you know, is that creative world. Um, so that's where it really all sort of started. Wow. You know? and, and then you, you took the plunge to take a real shop. Yeah. So Anthony, my business partner, one of my two business partners, um, was just a customer. We set up a little website where you can go and order for the Sunday every week. People log on. And, um, and then I hired a PR thinking, Okay, let's get this out there. Let's be a cool pop-up weekend pop-up, right? Got the PR. PR uh, was Sophie Orbaum. She's uh, with Hearts Group. And they they um, they really helped get the word out. They would kind of uh, get these little articles written about this like little secret pop-up that was happening. And anyway, Anthony winds, winds up ordering bagels. And he loved them. He flipped out. And Anthony met is a, like kind of emphatic, like really, he's such a character. And and if he likes something, you know it, it. Yeah. you really know it. And he loved it. And he asked, he called Sophie who he knew and said, I need this guy's number. I want to talk to him. He needs to make a shop out of this. And I'd already kind of been thinking about it. You know, work was slow between Brexit and COVID, like as a photographer here in, 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 in London, it got slow enough to where I had time to have a hobby like this, you know? Um, I travel for work often, but photo work comes and drips and drabs sometimes. And especially at that point, you know, it was, it was, it was slow enough to where when I met Anthony, uh, he's like, man, you know, or mate, mate, <laughs> as you say, uh, I don't know, but this has to be something. You have to make this. I, I, it's gotta be, it's gotta be bigger. This has gotta be something. So he really saw it. And I said, well, all right, well, listen, if, if you know anybody that wants to give me some money to start, start a shop, like, let's go, let's do it. I'm, I'm down. And, uh, so he found my friend, my now friend, dear friend and partner, uh, Adam, uh, Adam Rubin. He's, he's based in, in, uh, LA. Um, and, and is a childhood friend of, of Anthony's. And when we reached out to him, we talked and he's, he owns a couple of bagel shops over in LA. Uh, he owns a matcha company among other things. And, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a young entrepreneur and like really smart gets it. And so between the two of them and I, we put together a deal and the rest is history. I suppose we found the shop and built it out and didn't expect to do what we're doing now, but. Yeah. So how did you get that many people so quickly into the No into the fucking store? idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I could tell you, like, it's all, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So on some level, I was like, okay, 
I know based on the pop-up, we're going to be really popular with Americans. We're going to be popular with like the sort of North London Jew. And we are going to, we're going to be a cool shop in an otherwise really pretty neighborhood. It's right by the park. You know, I was thinking um, I'd have a place to go and do all my, my work on my laptop as I sat with a coffee and a bagel. Mm. You know, it's like nice, quiet little cafe oh, yeah. <laughs> where I can hang out, yeah. <laughs> listen to my music, uh, get my friends to come through, yeah. have a coffee and a bagel with yeah. me. And I could do my pre-production and my yeah. post-production and I can work on merch for the shop because I love yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And um, that would it'd be a nice little place for me to go. Uh, and that didn't happen at all. Day one, we had the friends and family, which uh, I remember you coming by the night before. Uh, I was I was probably in a state. I think I weighed about 15 pounds less than I do now, which was a nice side effect, I suppose. Ironically, open a bagel shop and lose weight. And the next day, yeah, we had the friends and family open. Can't get the tills to work, which we didn't need to charge. We weren't charging anybody. We wanted to put orders through. So we just wound up making a ton of bagels, chopping them up and handing them out. And we had like, you know, probably 250 people out on the streets of... of uh, Primrose Hill on Regents, uh, Regents Park Road there. And it was a beautiful day. Sun was out. It was, it was great. In fact, we were so blessed with good weather in September and October. It was, it was amazing for us. I couldn't have planned it better. Um, and, you know, I think like, okay, well, I invited all these people here for free food. Like, of course, they're going to come. And then the next day, we kind of we kind of soft opened. And it was busy. But I also thought, you know, okay, this is a novelty. We're new. Uh, Friday comes along. We have the press uh, press release day. Again, giving away food to the press that we've invited, giving them champagne. It was a pretty mild day. It was it was an easy peasy day, you know. Mm. Champagne and bagels. Yeah. Probably forty or fifty people from the press come through. And I'm thinking like, all right, you know, great. And then Saturday happens. And I'm not really sure how how it all went down, but I came in on Saturday morning probably at five thirty or six to make sure the bake was all going well. The shop was really up. Because I knew this was our first weekend open. I never opened a restaurant before. I know, but I know that that's a, the first weekend's a big deal, especially in, uh, in a shop like that. And I mean, the line was 200 people long. In part because we were so damn slow at doing everything. <laughs> I still have a lot of bagels for the yeah, first day. It was like, wait for an hour in the line and then wait for an hour for your bagel was like our, our philosophy at first. And it, and it really creates a lot of buzz because I, I got to say the Brits love a queue. You know, they love to line. They see, they see one and they just get in it whether they know what it's for or not, it seems. Um and I think Americans are good that as well. <laughs> I don't know. I am. I am like. I. I don't queue for anything. I would never wait in my own line. This is a funny thing. Like I wouldn't wait in the queue for a bagel. That <laughs> wait for an hour for a bagel. <laughs> Crazy. Um. So anyway, yeah. It's just there's no secret. I mean, make good bagels. Make it a fun spot. There is probably a secret, but no one's told me yet. I don't know what it is. We evidently there was some TikToker, and I don't even know who did it. So that was the TikTok, TikTok strategy wasn't planned. Wasn't planned. Wow. Okay. So after the first week, you know, did the business continue to get stronger and stronger? Is it plateaued yet, or where are you at now? Uh, well, I think it's I think it's sort of plateaued now, but in a great place. I mean, like the first month it was just more 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 and we were just barely keeping up you know we were running out of bacon we were running out of eggs we were running out of cheese we were running out of this like every it seemed like every day i was at a waitress falling asleep uh standing up you know picking up 200 kilos of bacon 
or going up to Wing Yip to buy like two gigantic boxes of eggs yeah. that would all be gone by the following day. Wow. You know, we had like six, 700 people in a day on a weekend still. Wow. Yeah. And what's great is that the weekends are still great. We still have the same veracity on the weekends that we did day one, even though the weather's like, you know, 20 degrees cooler or whatever. And it's raining from time to time. I mean, look, Primrose Hill, you can see it. Like you look at the forecast, the weather forecast, you yeah. can tell how well you're going to do that week. Yeah. But it never gets bad. Best day so far? How many bagels? Oh, we've sold out of 2,500 bagels. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's the best day. And we average, like during the week, we'll do about, like on a Monday, 800 to 1,000. We'll, and then we creep up all the way to Friday. We're doing like 1,500 to 1,800. And on the weekends, we're doing 2,000 to 2,300 roughly now bagels. And then what's crazy too is like here, you know the New Yorkers because they show up at 7 a.m. They yeah. get a bag of bagels and schmears and they walk away. Yeah. And they're in and out and it's five minute ordeal for them. And they've taken 24 or 12 bagels, a bunch of cream cheeses, chicken yeah. salad, whatever, some salmon, and they're, they're out. So they come in seven o'clock on Saturday morning and they clear us out practically. <laughs> they get like a yeah. bunch of New Yorkers in, but then everyone else wants sandwiches. Yeah. So you got like 150 people in the queue sometimes and they all want a sandwich, yeah. which is great for, from a profit standpoint, from like, you know, they look great. People Instagram them and TikTok them and whatever else, yeah. you know, uh, but it's a different culture. And like in New York, I'd say 50, 50 people are going, just getting a bag of bagels, bringing them home, yeah. bringing them to the office or whatever. So beyond the PR, you must have done something else, right? Obviously, yeah, we've got the product, right? No doubt. Is, um, tell us about the sort of the operational um, <laughs> sort of how you're finding that. The thing that everyone in the restaurant industry and the restaurant industry has been so kind to me. And I mean like friends and people I didn't know were friends, neighbors that are in the cafe business. Everyone's so kind here. I had no idea. And everyone's saying to me, um, you know, New York, it's like really competitive and people think that, you know, don't give secrets away. Don't like, but in the restaurant industry here, for whatever reason, everyone's really happy to help you out. We run out of eggs. We have my neighbors just bringing over eggs for us. They're like, don't worry, don't charge. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, I give them bagels all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's great. But anyway, all of them were saying every single time, oh, you got all the right problems. You have all the right problems. And I'm like, I slept three hours last night. Yeah. And the entire time I was sleeping, I was dreaming about bagels and how, how wrong it's going to go. Uh, you know, so... The operations part has been hands down the hardest. Staffing, um, maintaining consistency, maintaining quality, dealing with people's personal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never really dealt with this. As, as a photographer, you get a couple of assistants, you know, they work for you, they either work or they don't. This, yeah. You don't have you don't have to worry about laying people off in the same way yeah. here. Like if someone doesn't work out in photography, they just don't get in a call the next time. Yeah. This, nothing's full time yeah. here. I, you can't you can't tell somebody that they're not doing a good job. And it's a real learning curve for me. Yeah. I genuinely because yeah. I'm American and I'm brash and I'll walk in the shop and I'll I'm not very good at hiding my emotions and I'll be like What's this? Why are we making that? What? How come this bagel's this big and that bagel's that big? And that's been hard. Yeah. But um, you know, like anything, if you if you put enough into it, you sort of figure out what um, what works, what doesn't. Look, like I said, you know, a couple thousand bagels a day. It's all repetition. So like, 
with repetition, you learn, you get better, you get into rhythms, people find what works for them. It may not be my way exactly. I don't want to be that kind of a boss. I don't want to be, you know, cracking a whip. But at the same time, you know, we have a certain quality, a certain standard. How you get there is up to you. If you do it in a reasonable time frame, if you do it in a way that's safe and, you know, all the rest of it, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to let go of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am a control freak. And I like things just the way they are. Yeah. And that's a big part of our success. Yeah. But my mental health, <laughs> as you know, yeah. my mental health requires me to like take a step back sometimes and be right. like, you know what? You can't control everything. Yeah. Um, and eventually we got there. I mean, right now I, I could not, I was just saying to my wife last night, I was like, I was in the shop yesterday. We are killing it. And yeah. we have less staff on now per shift, which has made us better and faster. So I think we were bumping into each other. That shop is like a sardine can. Um, and for, you know, for 800 square feet, for us to be pumping out that much homemade bagels, it's, uh, I'm really proud of it. Are you making it on premises now? All of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we don't like literally make the cheese, but we no, get no. we get the cream cheese yeah. in, we mix it, yeah, we whip sure. it, we yeah. package it and everything. Yeah. Great. What's the, what's the most popular item? It, it It's funny. So in the mornings... It's bacon, egg, and cheese. And in the afternoons, it becomes the works. The works is uh, the bagel with cream cheese, lox, aka salmon, onions, capers, lemon. Delicious. So what's next for It's Bagels? <laughs> Another store planned? Yeah, I mean, we'd love to. Um, I think why not? You know, it's it's going really well. Um <laughs> Why not shake it up and see if we can do it again? You know, um, there's other neighborhoods, there's other areas. Primrose Hill is kind of an island unto itself too, which is like, it's an anomaly. And I can't tell if like, you know, if we open in Shoreditch or we open in Notting Hill or we open in Soho or wherever, like, do, will we be as cool? Will we be as, as popular? Will people even bother to come in? Will, are we going to be a, you know, just another grab and go? Because in Primrose Hill, there's really not that much stuff. I've, there's a few really great spots, but there's not that much, but there's also, there's no tube right nearby. It's right. like sort of close, but not really. And it's a tiny little community. There is another new bagel shop that's just done. And there's another, you know, I mean. A, 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 a legendary Ronnie's bagel. Yeah, yeah. North London bagel. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, honestly, it's so funny because I haven't met Ronnie yet, but everyone says you couldn't meet a nicer guy. Yeah. Right. Um, and I really don't believe in competition when it comes to food. I think competition is always with yourself. Anyone who's been a chef, anyone who's ever, ever opened a restaurant. I mean, you're wasting your time spinning your wheels looking at other people's sales. doesn't matter. And it's the same thing with photography for me. You know, like I could have gone around and maybe I did for early parts of my career. Hey, why is that guy getting that magazine cover? Or why is that job going to that person? And you waste a lot of your energy worrying about competition. I think having another bagel shop in the neighborhood is the best thing for us. Mm. How many salad wars are going on in, in Primrose Hill, you know what I mean? How many how many hot dog wars are going on? How many sausage roll wars? There's, I mean, if people are talking about bagels, like, ooh, there's, there's Ronnie's across the street and I hear there's a Gale's opening too yeah. and Gale's makes bagels. And I'm like, great. I mean, let's open a whole street full of bagel shops. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it, who cares? You know, I mean, obviously would prefer not to have a whole street, but, but I think we've started something really cool. And if people like Ronnie's bagels better, they can go there. And if they want like our ba- bagels better, they can come to ours. And it's totally, you know, yeah. there's, there's, there's bigger things to worry about. I think. Uh, I mean, what's, paradoxical to me uh, other than the like the enormous PR that you've got and I actually thought when when I walked past that evening before you opened I thought 
oh, this is Brick Lane Bagels coming to, to Primrose Hill. And um, I introduced myself. But it, it, it's, it, I think what was evident to me, it was just so simple, quite old school, but yet really contemporary and trendy. And it's just like the paradox of trendy old school. Is, is that the secret <laughs> of your success there? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. Very much like in, in the same terms in, in, in fashion, you could see um, reference to 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. It, things come back, right? Mm. Um, and it's a matter of, I mean, what have we not seen? In, in the world right now. What what gadget, what toy, what food. Um, I just stuck to what I thought was like truest to mm. form, right? Like to me. Um, the bagel shop design is meant to feel like you're in New York. Like yeah. when you're in that space, it's reminiscent. You know, the floors are meant to represent like the checkered floors, mm. what you'd find in any any bagel shop, the tin ceiling, what you'd find on any bagel shop, yeah. the backlit menu, the the deli display, all this stuff. It's a little bit turned up. The design is a little bit more refined than maybe some like mm. schlocky one on the, you know, in the Bronx or whatever. But then also the posters on the wall, the photos on the wall, they're, they're mine. Like they're literally mm. mine. I mean, there's mm. photos in there that are 80 years old, 70 years old that are of my grandmother in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And like, to your point, it's, it's not necessarily anything new. I'm just putting it out of context. It's in London. It's in Primrose Hill. Yeah. And that is, I think, what people are really responding to. I guess it's also your photographic eye on the detail and every aspect of the <laughs> sure. of the business. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely helps. I mean, that was one part I was like the most confident in. Um, looking at another shop now, it's, it's much bigger, uh, which is going to be great for us from an operational standpoint. But I'm like, how do I give it that cozy feel? Yeah. And so I, that was what I was up until... One in the morning last night <laughs> drawing. I don't even know if we have the shop yet, but I get excited by that stuff, creating the environment. And in, in summary, what have you learned and what, what will you do differently going forward? I think that the biggest takeaway, right? Because my day job as a photographer, you deliver one thing, right? By the time you get to a finished product that you see in a magazine or on a billboard or, or whatever it is you're doing, talking about like six months, mm. typically, everything is absolute. And every time I make a picture for a client, I'm thinking this needs to be just right. I need to do it as close to what they want while being true to what my vision. And there's a lot of pressure on these little sort of minutia, right? And so in my head, I was thinking like, oh, bagel shop's going to be a piece of cake. You do the same thing every day. You wake up, you make the bagels, you sell the bagels, clean it up and go home. Play some music, you know, hang out, see your friends, whatever. But like, we're talking about like, there's no um, pressure to be the next Jurgen Teller or David Sims or yeah. whoever it is. <clears throat> we're talking about go in, it's Sisyphus, right? And that's funny because I didn't think about this, but Sisyphus is actually on our, on our coffee cup, yeah. pushing the bagel yeah. up the hill. But that's the thing is like, it's every day. And, and, I, and I could not be further from... Like, like the idea that this was going to be simple and just about making one thing that is not sort of attached to my sort of like uh, my ego or my my dedication to like a, a broader creative endeavor is somehow going to be, it was just like I'll throw all that out the window. It's, it's, it is massively important and you have to do it every day. 
And so part of the, part of what I learned is like, let go of the small stuff. Every restaurateur is like, yeah, we had a shit show yesterday. Kitchen caught on fire. Somebody, you know, dropped dead in the restaurant, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> like shit happens. Guess what? You have to open tomorrow. Get over it. Yeah. Got to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. We, had, we had a flood. We had our refrigerator go down. I had to throw away 10,000 pounds worth of food. Like I, 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 I get on my kid's case because they leave like three bites on their, on their plate. And then I, I went throughout, you know, like 40 kilos of salmon and wow. I was, it was killing me because yeah. we, we lost our refrigerator one time. Yeah. Um, you know, and ultimately I forget who said this to me, but someone was like, if you can do 1% improvement every day. Uh, yeah. That's the old. That's it. Um, build a better restaurant. Uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to that podcast. Yeah. No. I think it's, uh, it could uh, be Danny Myers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1% improvement 1%, every day. 1%. Yeah, Theoretically, yeah. in 100 days, you'll be perfect, yeah. right? <laughs> Starting from zero. But then you get knocked you get down 5% yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But if you just do that 1% every day and... um and uh, sort of learn to let go of the stuff. And now that you've created this and looking at other other sites potentially, um, yeah, is is this going to become the biggest thing in your life? And photography <laughs> becomes any relevance? I'm I'm searching for a, a perfect balance. I mean, that's life, isn't it? You're a dad. Yeah, like balance is everything. Finding a way, you know, because as much as it's from the outside, it looks like which one, photography or bagels? Mm. It's all for my yeah. kids yeah. and not. Literally, like from a financial standpoint, yep. they're going to get jobs. But like, but I mean, it's all so I can be with yeah. my, like enjoy my life, be with my family. Um, I'm a happy man because I get to do these great jobs. I'm so lucky. I'm so mm. blessed and so mm. grateful for that. Um, <clears throat> so for me, the balance isn't necessarily like photography versus bagels. It's uh, how do you get, you know, how do you be a great dad, great husband, uh, how do the bagels stay consistent? People are happy at the shop. How do you still get to do your creative stuff and travel and, and do the thing that you really love? I mean, I really genuinely, it's not an either or. They're all important and they're all part of what make you who yeah. you are. Yeah. Um, and I feel the same way about the photography thing. I love it. I absolutely love, I was down in Harbor Island shooting on a beach and I was thinking to myself, how lucky am I mm. that after I wrap, I'm floating around in, this, in, the, in the sunset in this like, beautiful water, crystal clear water. And I'm not stuck in a walk-in right now, cleaning up like a bunch of jalapeno juice that fell off <laughs> yeah. the counter. And then at the same time, I walk into the shop like this morning on a Friday and we're rammed on a Friday morning. A lot of Exciting. people work from home and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. I couldn't give this up. I couldn't give that up. Yeah. You know, so, so I don't want to give either one yeah. up. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, sometimes it's a question of bandwidth. It's like, how much do I put in? Um, ironically, with the photography stuff, um, because everything's so oversaturated right now, and I've done the photography, I've, I've gone the route in my career as a photographer where it's like, work, 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 mm. work, do as much as you can, shoot that, yes, I'll shoot that, yes, I'll shoot that, yes, I'll shoot that. And the work doesn't get any better. And ultimately you burn out. So what's funny is like, because of Brexit sort of isolating us here, I have a lot, a lot less work here. And then you've got COVID really knocked it back down. Uh, I shoot a lot on location. So I don't know if you've, you know, the rain is yeah. prohibitive in some ways in England. So I've almost had to edit. Like I, the, the amount of work that I even can get mm. by virtue of living in England has been edited. Mm -hmm. And in this funny paradoxical way, like it's made me 
work way more focused and way harder on the work that I do get. And therefore it gets better. Yeah. And when it gets better, you get better work. You know, you get asked to shoot for American Vogue and Italian Vogue and British Vogue. And suddenly you're doing these really cool editorials and then you do those and then, and, and you have the time to think about them and make them great. And then you do those and then suddenly you're getting these advertising campaigns that you never in a million years thought you might get. And that's great. And so you get paid a little bit more for that stuff, which means you have to work a little less. So it's like this great kind yeah. of symbiotic strategy. Wow. It was like, actually, not that this is a photography podcast, but like, guess what? Like, don't do too much. Do do less better. Well, Dan, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me. It was such a, such a pleasure. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. We hope you've enjoyed all the incredible interviews this year. We'll be taking a short break over Christmas and New Year and rerunning a couple of our favorite conversations from the year. Plus, a special bonus episode packed full of some of our favorite tracks from the Coffee Music Project. So keep your ears out for this one. And this week's song in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project is Mother by American and London-based artist Daisy Chute. Till next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated. I miss the way things used to be mm-hmm. Who knows where the time goes anymore One minute you're a child, the next you're grown old You still feel young, like everyone If I could see you now I'd ask you more about your life And mother Well if I had the chance I'd take back every little fight I'd hold you tight But I know At least I think I know I needed to grow apart from you And all the told you so's And all the don't you knows But didn't you suppose I'd find my own way through Oh mother You can't tell me anymore And mother I wish that you could know Now there's nothing I miss more And there's no one I miss more No one I miss